Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I saw a father saying goodbye to his child with a profound disability yesterday. It really is harrowing. It's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impact they can have in the messaging that they put out. The lack of communication to their customers, it's terrible, you know. I'm embarrassed by it. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96 FM. There I see. You can get an Uber in Cork from today. Well, not the same way as our American friends or anybody else who uses Uber can get an Uber. In America, you go on the app and you can get a private driver in a private car and they'll, oh, look, someone needs a lift and they'll pick you up and take you home or or something like that. Now it's here, it's just actual licensed taxis that will be able to go on Uber. But you can get an Uber in Cork from today from today I opened the app on my phone this morning and the map is in of Cork and I think it goes live at about 10 o'clock if anybody wants to to try an Uber this morning and let me know how you get on I'd be delighted to hear from you good morning 0818 96 96 the number the text or whatsapp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie I think the, the, the taxi people are not overly happy Bobby Lynch from the taxi council not overly happy about the Uber he makes a very valid point in fairness to him first of all Uber takes a a commission from any taxi driver using the app some are happy that's fine but he makes a better point he says it won't put any more cars on the streets it'll just be a different way to hire one of the cars that's already short in supply but anyway We'll come back to it. Uber launching in Cork this morning if you're interested in that. And if anyone does try an Uber, just download the app and set yourself up. If anyone tries an Uber this morning, let me know how you get on. 0818 96 96 96. Also, that story about cashless payments in the news, I get more details on it. You can be robbed now without ever having to take your wallet out of your pocket. There's a, a, a cyber security expert from UCC. I'll be talking to him later on. 
So you can be robbed now without having to take your wallet out of your pocket, without having to take your card out of your wallet. Be very careful. It's kind of wireless pickpocketing. It's so simple and so insidious. And it's like 10 quid here and a fiver off the fella next to you and 20 from the fella across the way. And it's done quietly and you won't even notice it in a crowd. Cyber pickpockets. Watch it when you're getting out to the Christmas party. Right. A few weeks ago I was talking about, or we were talking about people who were coming to this country looking for work um, from EU people, Spaniards and, and other stuff, coming to Cork, seeking work. And I was talking at the time to a couple of them, Pablo and to Joaquin in particular. And I think I had Rahal as well. Uh, had come to work or come to, to Ireland with a view to finding work. There was plenty of work, plenty of work, but there was nowhere to live, nowhere to stay. And I was talking at the time. First of all, you'll remember I was talking to Pablo. Well, I'm staying um, basically at Sheila's. It's a hostel, northern side of the of Very near, the very near city. to us here at the radio station, Pablo. Very near to us. Yeah. I have to change the place every weekend, almost every week. What work are you doing? Uh, well, I'm working in a pub. I'm a bartender in okay. St. Pedro Street. So that's no problem. I just found it the first day. Good man. The accommodation thing is quite different. I've been staying at the houses, just uh, borrowed couches. And yeah. I've been staying at cars and changing every week from hostel to hostel. So it's like a very kind of difficult thing because you have to do a normal daily life. You know, you have to do the laundry and you have to go to a proper sleep. Yeah, so that's that, that was Pablo's story. Come to... Cork, plenty of work, loads and loads of work, but nowhere to stay. I also spoke that day, this is a few weeks back now, just after the Jazz Weekend, actually. I also spoke to, to Joaquin. Joaquin, good morning. You've you stayed on, on, on a friend's floor since you came here. Oh, well, I'm, I'm from Chile. I'm the guy that is from Chile, and now I'm living with these Spanish guys. My, the, today is my she, they, are, they are my friends. Sure. I'm living in the in the hostel too with the with the Spanish people, my my friend. Yeah. Two of our, our friends uh, uh, sleep on the street uh, one night because you, you must pay a lot of money to sleep in in bed in in the town. Some some guys uh, rent a, a room for a night. Uh, the hostel uh, is so expensive, so it's so difficult for us to uh, find a, a place to to sleep. With. And again, staying with a couple of weeks back uh, after the jazz, I was also speaking to Ira McCauley from the journal.ie who'd been looking into this. And I was asking her where these workers were getting their information on coming to Ireland to find all this work. Like, we know there are good jobs here. We know there are very good wages in certain professions and technology work here and plenty of work for people. But who is selling this message without pointing out the pitfalls, do you think? I think it's a combination of online influencers. I think word gets around. I mean, Spanish people, they'd be one of the groups where we have kind of over 10,000 Spanish people living in Ireland. Um, so people go home again and they say they had a great time. And maybe they did three or four years ago. But as you know, it gets worse every single year and it gets more difficult uh, I don't know what messaging embassies is putting are putting out, 
uh, also, I think you're speaking to Joaquin in a bit, yes, who's one be. of the students living in a hostel in the city. He came to Cork through one of the language colleges to improve his English and, and, and pay the fee for the six-month course up front. And I don't think he felt that he was warned very well how difficult it was going to be to find accommodation. I do know some of those colleges have schemes where they have host families mm. and some actually have self-catered apartments, but I don't know how difficult they are finding it to accommodate people now. Now, let's talk again with Ema McCauley of the journal.ie. So, in the month since we spoke, month or so, Ema, how much more do we know about, first of all, the lads I was talking to on the day, and secondly, about how they were told, oh, come to Ireland, there's loads of work. Morning. Uh, morning, PJ. I, th- I think we know a lot more about it now. Um, I wasn't quite right when I was talking to you last time, but your questions did get me researching who is advertising jobs in Spain. Um, and there are private recruiters who are doing that, but it's also the government. So the Department of Social Protection recently advertised 1,200 jobs in Spain. Um, and those are jobs that the, the government defines as hard to fill. Yeah. For one reason or another, uh, they had a big recruitment event over there. Ten companies flew over, 117 employers had jobs going at this event, and 15,000 job seekers tuned into the live stream of the event. Uh, so that's an awful lot of people hearing about how great Ireland is to come to, to work in, uh, how great the wages are. They really did make it sound amazing like the perfect opportunity but there wasn't a lot of information on where people could find somewhere to live yeah kind of not telling the full story let's be very blunt about it and and the government involved in that not telling them the full story yeah i mean they were told by a representative uh from the department that they would have options to explore uh they were told that rents are more expensive in Dublin, but they compared that to Madrid or any capital city. Uh, At no point did anyone say, look, you might not be able to find somewhere to live Mm. at all. The term housing crisis didn't uh, come up as far as I could hear. And we had representatives there, top representatives from different industries in Ireland. And I think you could definitely say that workers weren't getting the full picture on what the state of our housing market is here. You know, in a, in a statement to us, the department said that they advise people to get accommodation before they come here. But one of the main websites that they link workers to to find accommodation is Hostels Ireland. Mm. And anyone who's ever worked full time will tell you that living in a hostel is not a long term solution. I mean, that's to live in a hostel long term, sharing a room with 15 people coming and going and tourists and students who can't find accommodation while holding down a job. You know, nobody could do that. That's almost impossible. That's what Pablo was doing. And I was talking to him last and, and Joaquin was practically couch surfing. How are the lads doing since, do we know, Emer? Actually, after coming on air, um, somebody did offer them uh, a rental uh, on the north side of the city. Uh, so Pablo and Joaquin are delighted. They feel like they've won the lottery. Uh, but it's also sort of bittersweet for them because a lot of their friends are still living in the hostels. Yeah. Uh, and their friend Rahal, who's working as a barista in one of the big coffee shops in town, 
I spoke to him a few days ago and he said that he really needs to start thinking about going home now because he just can't afford to do this anymore. Uh, Another one of the workers that I spoke to who paid a lot of money to come here ended up in a position where while they were working full time, they were entering an unused property at night through a window that was left open to sleep on a sofa in there. Wow. Wow. It was squatting. It's not a position that I thought they'd end up in. No. They were squatting. Yeah, they were squatting. Wow. Wow. Having come here through a big glossy recruitment program backed by the government, these are guys who found themselves squatting. So clearly, whoever is responsible for organising these recruitment affairs and recruitment days overseas is not telling them half the story. I don't think they are. And the interesting thing was that there were job seekers and Spanish people in the comments section of the recruitment event who were saying, what about about accommodation? Um, I've heard that the rent kills the wages uh, we're saying, oh, I'm already here and 20 people are waiting for an interview for a room. Uh, one person was asking, if I move my entire family over for people, will I get help? And they were all getting links to the same document that basically said, rentals come f- furnished and unfurnished in Ireland. You need to provide a one month deposit. You can find them online or you could go to estate agents. Uh, I don't know anyone who's finding a room to rent through an estate agent these days, especially when they're working a minimum wage job. So I I don't think it's a realistic portrayal of the process you have to go through to find somewhere to live once you get here. And uh, the hard thing is most people do end up staying in hostels. And then it puts the hostel owners in a difficult situation because really what what they have there was designed for backpackers and tourists, not for people looking for somewhere to live long term. Uh, so I think that is quite difficult. You know, it's not a housing service. It's meant to be a place for people to come on their holidays, but you end up with people who are desperate living there. Mm. So where, I mean, I, I think you said Rahal is, is actually thinking of going back. He is. He's really close to giving up now. He said it's just become mission impossible. Yeah, it's sad. It's very sad because these are young, skilled people and having spoken to Joaquin and to Pablo, they're young, bright, skilled, intelligent people who would add to our city and add to our diversity of life here. And and the work is there and they love the work and the good, reasonably decent pay for the work, nowhere to live. Yeah, and the other thing is they love Ireland and they love Cork and you know, they did say in the situation they've ended up in, some of the guys who work in bars have had bouncers say, oh, you can come and sleep on my sofa this weekend or whatever. I mean, people are so willing to help. And you're right. These guys are skilled. They have degrees. uh, They have work experience in industries. And we are trying to recruit people into those roles in Ireland. Like if you have a shocking shortage of, of good people and here they are. And they're going home again because we can't, we've nowhere for them to stay. Yeah, I did ask the department, you know, yeah. what happens if somebody gets back in touch with you who has come through this recruitment program? You know, it's also, it's not just the jobs that were advertised there. You know, the people who tuned into that event were also told that there's an estimated 22,000 roles going in our hospitality sector. So that's a lot of jobs. Mm. So you could tune into this and think, well, if I don't get one of these jobs, you know, 
I might be able to find another job there because it sounds like there are so many, you know. Um, so I did ask them, what do you do if somebody gets back in touch and says, I'm having difficulty, I can't find somewhere to live? And they said that they then refer them to the local authority. So that would be the council. Oh, so they down the council on the housing list with thousands of other people. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, for goodness sake. Emer, thank you. Good work. Good digging. Uh, Emer McCauley from journal.ie. That continuing story. Let me go to Adrian McGarry, who's the manager of the Brew Bar. Not far from us here. Uh, down at McCourton Street Hostel, and a fine, fine bar too. Adrian, you've been helping out some of these guys. Yeah, we've had we've had a lot of them stay with us, and what Emer is saying is true. Like we normally have a um, a seven night maximum stay because if you have people staying long term, it kind of alters the kind of vibe of the tourist hostel. You know, if you have people with loads of luggage in in rooms and they're staying a long time and it ends up changing into almost apartments as opposed to a tourist hostel. But at the same time, you see people after the seven days and they're absolutely desperate, you know, for somewhere to stay. They've come to Ireland, they have great hopes and dreams of starting a life here and you just can't put them out in the street. You know? and, they've, and they've discovered, moreover, Adrian, they've discovered, a bit like when the Irish went to Boston in the 80s, they've discovered that there's work falling out of the trees. Yeah, yeah. Plenty I mean, of work, low, like, well-paid work, but nowhere to stay. That's it. And, like, I mean, hospitality is crying out for staff, you know. And, I mean, since COVID, it's been very difficult to recruit. And here we have a ready supply of really hard-working, great young people ready to start a new life here and we can't give them the basics of accommodation I mean it's absolutely mm-hmm. shocking what, But what's even more shocking Adrian is if I'm listening closely enough to Emer and reading her articles and the work she's done the government or an element of government is knowingly going out to Spain recruiting for people when they know there's nowhere for them to stay Yeah and it's it's kind of another example of one department not talking to another or the lack of joined up thinking. I mean, I, I walk around the city every day and I look up at all the buildings that are empty from the first oh. floor up. You know, there's with a little bit of creative thinking, you know, landlords could be incentivized to, to refurbish them. Mm-hmm. These people want to live in the cities where the services are, where the work is, mm. you know, where the schools are, if they're families. And we need them. We have jobs for them. We have buildings that are there, Empty. that are lying idle. Yeah. I mean, everyone's talking about building new houses, but could we not maybe look at the houses that we have and the buildings that we have? Let, let, let uh, me turn around again, Adrian. I've done this several times in the last couple of months and looked, you now it's dull and wet and a bit this, but looked down at Patrick Street, just our beautiful main street. Yeah. Nothing above most of the first floors. Correct. Empty. Yeah. empty, lying idle. Do you remember we used to have, was it a section 23 or section 27? Living over uh, the re- shop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what happened that plan? I mean, I mean, if you think about the bars and restaurants that would benefit from having more customers and staff to work in their places, mm-hmm. you know. Here's, here's the thing, Adrian. And I, I, I know you have the hostel, but there must be loads of restaurants, just restaurants on a ground floor with maybe some storage on the first floor yeah. Yeah. and a floor empty above, like, wouldn't it be a great incentive? Absolutely. Not only that, but, you know, the owners would have a rental income. The, the other problem, I suppose, with all of this is the massive tax that people have to pay on rental income. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. disincentive for people to do it. Like, if you look at the Finnish model, 
which was, I think, Housing First, it was called. You know, they'd take a person who's homeless and the first thing they would do would be... Get give them a them, place to live. Get, yeah. yeah, because that's the first thing that someone needs in order to get onto their feet. Here you're getting PPS numbers, you're getting on lists, you're, you have to do, you almost have to provide a proof of address for everything before you can do anything. You need to give people homes where they can start. Most people can work if they've got a roof over their heads. Yeah. And you can use the funding that you save from the HAP allowance then, having these people housed, to, to, to fund the people who are who are maybe have addiction issues or whatever. Do you ever wonder why, Adrian, you and I can talk about this and, and figure out ourselves as two ordinary fellas, yeah. figure out ourselves what could be done. And there's people on three and four times yeah. our combined salary wringing yeah. their hands and, and, and going out to Spain, and I'm sorry, going out to Spain and not selling the country properly. I, I can't understand it. I mean, it's not rocket science, really, is it, to, to solve this? And I mean, if you could do it, you could do it in such a way that it, you could make money out of it as opposed to it costing the exchequer if you were clever about it. I mean, Finland used their national lottery funds to refurbish the homes. And, and literally, they took 50% of the people off the street overnight. Yeah. Most of those were able to get jobs and then pay rent. They incentivized investors to come in and, and, and fund the refurbishment with, with generous tax tax incentives. Mm. So they literally cured the problem over a number of years and homelessness is falling in Finland. I mean, there are models out there that we can replicate. Absolutely, absolutely. Come here, while I have you on a brighter note, run into Christmas. How are things going down there? Good, good. We're all fired up. The Christmas decorations are up. We've got the, the new cocktail menu ready. All the music is lined up. The mulled wine will be at the door. So love the I sound get down there. I get down there as soon as I can. If I, I love a drop, drop of mulled wine of a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. The gin and tonic waiting for you when you arrive. <laughs> Adrian, thank you very much. That's Adrian McGarry from Brew Bar and Hostel, who's been helping out some people like Joaquin. And Paolo, what we have established, what Emer has established at the at the journal, is that there is a government-supported recruitment drive in Spain for jobs that are hard to fill here, and these bright, educated, intelligent people are coming over. There's work falling out of the trees for them, nowhere to live, but they're not being told that when they're over in Spain. They're not being told the truth. So they're being told, come to Ireland. We need you. We actually don't care where you live, by the way. But come to Ireland. We need you. 0818969696. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. With your local mace, amazing value, sure to make you smile this Christmas. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. Whether you're working out, chilling out, or clocking out, make sure you're with me every evening on the Big Drive Home, where it's good vibes only. Finish off early, looking over the miserable weather, and you're just after making it look like now it's a really hot day in Ibiza. Hooking you up with the biggest songs and the best prizes. I've got your evenings in Cork sorted. No better feeling. I'll catch you every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home with Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs, the new home for. Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM. We have our friends from Full Solutions with us this week, giving away 200 euro on the show every day. A voucher 
Uh, give the gift of happiness to your loved ones this Christmas with a Foot Solutions gift card. Free the feet and the rest will follow. We have classic Christmas songs and this is such a simple competition. Such a simple competition. Sure, it's only a bit of a laugh. I'm going to give you a Christmas song with a word blanked out and replaced with ho, 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 as you do at this time of year. You need to tell me what the word is. Text the word and your name to 083 396 96 96. These things are so ridiculously easy, but sure, it's just a bit of fun. Oh, <laughs> they're getting easier as the days go by. Let's go again. All right, the, the word, the missing word and your name. 083 396 96 96. So many people talking about this amount of empty space over shops, offices, restaurants, pubs. Go to Patrick Street, go down the Grand Parade, lesser extent, but go up into the Mall. Loads and loads and loads of empty space there. And people are starting to ask the simple question, why can't we just convert it and accommodate people? I know a Spanish girl who's come over to work in childcare. She can't find accommodation. She did find a room in Carrigaline. 750 euro a month, half her wages, utterly crazy, says Anna. And someone else is on warning us of an accommodation scam doing the rounds. Oh, there's loads of them. Oh, there's loads. One of the lads I was talking to, was it was it Joaquin, I think, or Pablo? One of them was, was robbed of about seven or 800 quid by a scammer before he even set foot in the place. PJ, there's an accommodation scam doing the rounds. A woman from Germany is posting adverts on Facebook pages in Cork. She sends on a passport and a contract as proof, and she's scamming loads of foreign people, as they think think they think she is legit. Our au pair's friend nearly got stung by her. I was about to send her a deposit. I did some research and found the girls putting the same ads up on pages in Italy and other European countries. She's targeting... Foreigners and students. 0818-969696. Case, again, that very sensible point that people are making. I remember not too long ago, the staff in a pub used to often stay in accommodation over the bar. Do we not need to go back to those days? And to hotels supplying accommodation to workers too. Well, some of the hotels are still doing that. Some hotels still do that, but, but not a lot of them. Yeah, there, there's a there's a change in the law coming in Italy, which is interesting. Their new leader is a woman called Maloney. I know it's not. No, she's not one of the Maloneys from Court McSherry, in case that you think it is. But no, her her name is Maloney, and she's right wing, and 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 all of these things that come with it. But she's she's changing the rules with regard to cash payment and card payment. Uh, and it's a little bit complicated, but she said she intends to scrap the requirements to accept electronic settlements for purchases below thirty euro. Which that's one way. How I interpret what I'm reading about what she's saying is that you can't be told in a coffee shop 
in Italy, your coffee and your bun is eight euro and we're only taking card. That's how I'm interpreting what she's been saying. It reads slightly differently, but I think that's the simple, the simple way. So you go to a coffee shop or go into a, a, sh- a shop for a small service and it's 30 euro and they insist on card and you want to pay cash. They have to take your cash. That's the rough translation of what she's at over in Germany at the moment. Uh, It's a requirement to accept electronic settlements for purchases below 30 euro. Yeah, you don't, yeah, it's, 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 anyway, it's a move to eliminate total cashlessness for for small purchases. Um, It's, 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 anyway, it's Italy and that's what they're doing it. It's it's like saying in Ireland that a taxi has to accept to have to pay, but but some of them don't. Initially, it's 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 different. We'll we'll Fergal is digging through it for me as he is wont to do, and much better at doing that than I am. Uh, but certainly, they're changing it over there. And here's we've talked about this before: cashless payment. I do not like being in a place that won't accept cash. And later on this morning. When I'm talking to our cybersecurity expert from UCC, I'm going to be carrying more cash over the Christmas as a result of talking to this gentleman. Because I, your card now, you can be cyber pickpocketed. You're going to be pickpocketed remotely now without ever taking your card out of your pocket. Uh, yeah. Oh, the irony of that article and the government telling people to offer card options. I was paying a parking fine in the court office recently and it was cash only. There was no card option. And that's a government building. Yeah. See, Pascal Dunn, whose take on it is slightly different from what I'm he- hearing out of Italy. Here's what Pascal is saying this morning. Pascal is kind of saying, if you're only taking cash, you're up to something. That seems to be what Pascal Dunn is saying. I don't like the sound of that. I do believe that we need to have a broad discussion regarding how payments are made within our economy, given big changes that are now happening. And if I'm in an environment that never takes a debit card, of course I'm suspicious as to why. But I at the same time recognise that for lots of businesses, there can be reasons on the day why the machine isn't working. Yeah, so he... Interpret it for yourself. 0818 96 96 96. Yeah. Yeah. In the, the, okay. The rough translation of the Italian law is here in Ireland, a taxi must now accept your card. They must accept their card, your card. It's a condition of being able to operate as a taxi. In Italy, it's in all shops. And Mrs. Maloney wants to scrap that. She wants to scrap the the requirement in shops for them to take card for under 30 euro and i do think there's an there's an add on to it that she doesn't want them to be able to refuse cash for certain payments because there are shops out there and i don't like them there are shops out there who've gone entirely cashless a coffee and a bun you should always have the option for cashless, a pint of milk and a couple of bananas and maybe a loaf of bread. You should always, 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 always have the option to pay cash. That's just, I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't. Someone got on to me a couple of weeks ago about Ryanair and I had discovered this myself 
when I was going on my holidays that if you buy some food or a drink on a Ryanair flight now, you have to use your card. The, the, the cash, they're not taking cash, or they weren't taking cash in the summer on Ryanair. You had to use your card. Now, I reluctantly did uh, because they wanted a Kit Kat. <laughs> just, just, I did. Um, but why? And I don't like that. Don't like that at all. 0818 96 96 96. Come on, We've given away thousands of euros euro. on the Corks 96 FM 10K toy giveaway. We got a pocket full of cash we can blow. Come on, He's just won a 500 euro toy shopping spree. <laughs> Sarah, I don't think anyone's going to sleep in your house tonight, are they? Oh, no, there's no big place nice. Ah. Thank you so much. Brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. My lecturer is looking at me now as if I'm going mad. You just won a 500 euro toy shopping spree. Yeah. <laughs> the lit one is clapping anyway. The money. We've just given away 10k. Stay listening for the next big way to win. On Cork's 96 FM. Anne Marie was flying back from Lanzarote with her husband. Aer Lingus, he wanted to buy a packet of crisps, 170, they wouldn't take cash. Now you see, I'm not happy with that. And you're stuck on a plane for four hours, so you kind of have no option. Um, but I'm not happy with that at all. And I was the same with Ryanair during the summer. 0818969696. Other stuff coming in about scams, I'll come back to them. Other stuff coming in about cash, I'll come back to it. Stuff to get back to from yesterday. I'll come back to that. And also, you've got a ton of new consumer rights now, as of yesterday. So remind me to get to that. We're just busy. We're snowed under. It's a busy, busy, busy period. Um, Oh, yeah. Friday. Friday is a free Panto Friday on Quark's 96 FM. The Panto is back. It's that time of year again. Oh, yes, it is. Panto back at the Everyman for glamour and gags and song and dance and magic and mayhem. Cork's traditional panto, Cinderella, opens this weekend, runs until January 15th. And Friday is a free panto Friday on Cork's 96 of M. So family passes every hour. Uh, more information at, ML, at everymancork.com. Stay listening to win this Friday with Cork's 96 FM. Can I let you into a tiny secret too about the panto? Can I? No, I won't. But there's a tiny secret I have to let you into. A nice, uh, there's a connection with this program. I tell, I, I, oh, I'm bursting to tell you. I'll have to find out first whether I can or not. I'll tell you Friday, all right? Um, if I can tell you, I'll tell you Friday. I only found out this morning, but it's a little connection within this program and the panto. All right. 0818 96 96 96. I yearn for the days when it was illegal for women to work. Julie J, comedian, and I would have said feminist as well. You want to go back to those ages? Why? Morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? I know. Listen, my tongue is firmly in cheek here. I definitely am. I was a thinking feminism, that. But I, I suppose I'm that. exploring the side that we rarely talk about when it comes to feminism, which is that we kind of have to do it all now. I feel we have to do more than ever. So I wrote an article in yesterday, yesterday's Irish Examiner. And that was the headline. I yearn for the days when it was illegal for women to work because I kind of feel we have too much on our plate now, to be honest, PJ. Mm, 
Now you work and you've got Babby and that's it. We were, talking, we were talking yesterday about, you know, women and the age at which they have their children and this awful term have you heard it at all, Julie? You're a geriatric now if you have, if you have your child at thirty five. Oh, yes. Well, I was a geriatric pregnancy, despite my playlist suggesting otherwise. Like, my Spotify playlist would suggest that I'm, you know, a really young parent. But I was technically a geriatric pregnancy. But it is an awful term. Isn't it awful? Sure. Isn't it It awful? is pretty bad. And then yeah. you were working uh, and you have toddlers. Yeah, and I guess that was what the article was about. So, you know, just this idea that obviously, you know, we're all feminists. I mean, I say I'm a feminist, but when the alarm goes off in the morning, I do yearn for the days that it was illegal for us to work. Because, you know, feminism is great, but it did ruin a good duvet day. I think we'd all agree. (laughs) Well, so will a toddler. A toddler certainly will as well. Yeah, there's no sleep-ins with the toddler either. So, look, it's a lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you're talk to me about the other half who seems to be living the life of Riley, according to your article. It's different for men, isn't it? Well, it is. I have to say, I'm very lucky because Fred, my husband, uh, he presents the Tommy Show, so he does a lot of work up in Dublin with the Tommy Tiernan Show, and he's a comedian as well. But he is, to be honest, very good most weeks. I was laughing because, obviously, with my parenting column, I'm talking about the week that was. So last week, I definitely felt like Betty Draper from Mad Men, and Fred (laughs) was 100% Don Draper. He was making Don Draper look like a stay-at-home dad, to be honest. So this week now, he's been knocking it out of the park again. And I guess that's the nature of our work with the comedy. You know, it's very much a tag team situation. So some weeks, you know, Fred will not be seen. You know, I will say to Ted, come on, I will ring Daddy. And Ted will be like, Daddy who? And then other weeks, (laughs) it will be me that's away. It's kind of a, it's a lot of organising. And I think myself and Fred are just naturally chaotic, the two of us. So it's not like, I mean, it's definitely a a steep learning curve for us because I don't think organisation comes easily to either of us. Yeah, Uh, that tends to go with stage people, I think, Julie, sometimes. Ah, yeah. Well, you see, I used to be a moon tour in a former life, so Mm -hmm. I have no excuse because as a teacher, I should be good at all this admin. But no, that's probably why I'm not teaching anymore because I wasn't particularly good at it. Mm, Yeah. I mean, you say that back in the 80s, childcare was more haphazard, meaning you'd probably dump the little one with any neighbour that sort of was willing oh, yeah. to take him. No, you I can't. Think there, like. I think there was a bit of I think there was a bit of that. And like again, you know, obviously not necessarily saying that that is a bad thing, but sure back in the day you were dumped with anyone who was free. Like I think, you know, I'm sure I was left with people and my parents didn't even know their surname. You know, it, it really was one of those situations where if you had a working telly, that's all you needed to babysit a t- child. Like, it didn't matter what court cases were pending. As long as you had a telly in the corner, you were plugged in front of it and you were grand. Whereas now, obviously, and that is something, you know, I was talking about in the article that, like, obviously there's so many more opportunities compared to my mother's generation in terms of, like, women in the workplace and there have been big advances in that sense. Yeah. But I don't know how much has actually changed in terms of facilitating women going out to work because obviously childcare falls to both parents but this is just based on my experience with my friends I think generally within my social circle it seems to be the mammy that the childcare issue kind of falls to Uh, a lot of the time 
And there hasn't been, you know, I mean, there really hasn't been much done. Like you look, I know we're always looking to the Scandinavian countries as if they're this kind of, you know, social utopia and they're not in every way. But I think in terms of childcare, they just really are so far ahead of us. Like it's, you know, it's grand saying go out, you girl boss, you do you, you go out, you seek those opportunities. But there has to be something done in terms of childcare just to help you along the way. Yeah, I mean, things, look, the idea where you could leave your child with any random word that you kind of knew that had a working telly, those days are gone for, for reasons, very of good course. reasons. But But at the same time, it hasn't made it any easier now. No, and I think it is really, really hard, like, you know, especially even with our work, it is like, you know, it is hard to get someone to, you know, obviously we're working beyond a nine to five or doing yes. evening work. It's really, really hard to get people. And also there is an element of like, you know, well, I suppose that's kind of more an emotional side of things that you don't necessarily want to be leaving your child with somebody that you that you don't really, really you know, 100%, like almost a family member. I mean, I'm nearly like that, that like I almost just want to leave Ted with a family member, mm. you know, because it's just obviously they're your most precious cargo and they're the most important thing to you. But it really, yeah, it is It is just hard. And I do think, generally speaking, as I said, you know, ostensibly, we have made such advances in terms of facilitating, you know, I suppose in terms of giving women the same opportunities as men in the workplace. But mm. in terms of facilitating that, I don't know yeah. how far we've come, really. Yeah, well, well, here's one. Katie agrees with you. My husband is useless, PJ. Useless. I work full time. I have four kids. I bring them to sport. I do the cooking and the housework. And he's bloody useless. I think I get rid of him and find a new one. I too yearn for the days when it was illegal for women to work. <laughs> Katie, you're a woman after my own heart. Here's another one, though. It's in the news this morning. Twelve companies did a private pro- a pilot project recently and came back as hugely successful for a four day week. And they're oh, all going to. It would be a game changer for is, people. Would it? Yeah, and you know, there's been a lot of studies done. And I know coming back from COVID, there was talk about this, but like so many things after COVID where people were talking about things, then we just stopped talking about it. You know, it's kind of like back in the 80s when we were all really worried about Sellafield, and then we just all stopped talking about it and forgot about it. So this four-day week, it's similar in that people came back. There were loads of studies done suggesting that people would be just as productive during a four-day week. Mm. It would be so much easier because you wouldn't have to get childcare on the fifth day, which would be such a game changer, instantly saving 20% in terms of the childcare you need. And now people have kind of stopped talking about it again. I mean, I really do think something like that. And again, when we were talking about, you know, I know now obviously we have the new bank holiday and all of that. And we were talking about like what we could do, you know, to maybe say thank you to our amazing frontline workers who did so much. So many friends of mine who work on the frontline were like, this is the opportunity to do something meaningful like you know, something like cheaper childcare, more accessible childcare. Like, wouldn't that be something that would really help people Mm. who are working on the front line? And like, look, it's a nice gesture to have an L-Bank holiday. You know, let's forget the fact that half the frontline workers will be working on the bank holiday. (laughs) But it really was an opportunity to do something meaningful for people. Because like, if you're working shift work or night work, like it's really hard for doctors, nurses to find someone to look after their kids. Like, that's the reality. That's true. 
That's true. The frontline workers struggle more than the rest of us even to... Oh, 100%, because their hours are incredibly antisocial. Yeah, it's true. Julie, even more, even more antisocial than comedians and DJs and radio presenters. Thank you, Julie. Uh, 0818969696. Yeah, that was an interesting finding, that survey of the 12 companies that did the pilot project when they changed to a four-day week. And pretty much all of them said, oh, we're keeping that. We're keeping that. Four-day weeks are lovely. And I, like, I don't think every every job you could do it. I mean, how would you feel about... I know I know. before I answer, before I ask this question, I know that people are going to say, oh, yeah, you can check off wherever you want. How would you feel about having someone else here every Friday instead of me? Would you be happy with that? I'm sure half of you would be very happy with that. 0818969696. Just one before my time? No, I'll do this after the news. We had a call yesterday about the banker's bonus. As you know, um, Pascal Donahue, who already featured uh, this hour on the show, Pascal Donahue is looking at bringing back bonuses for banking, banking staff and removing this salary cap for senior banking staff. Someone rang in saying, hang on a cotton pick a minute. Maybe this isn't a bad thing. That's after the news. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. Christmas! Christmas! With your local maze, making your Christmas extra special with festive offers. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. An evening of Christmas music will take place at the Lock Church on Tuesday, the 20th of December at 8 pm. Cork Hushowen, a Cork City based choir, will be joined by Cork soprano Gemma Magner and the children of Cork Skullverita Eglantine. A night of festive favourites. The concert will be in aid of St. Vincent de Paul Cork, and you can buy tickets at eventbrite.ie or at the door on the night. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary with CorkSimon.ie because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96FM. The lines are live and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, um, a lot of, Mary was on about cashless payments. A lot of people quietly very upset, although they're just going along with it because they feel they have no option. But a lot of people quietly dislike strongly dislike but keeping it quiet you know what I mean the fact that so much more now of our society is purely cashless Mary says good morning PJ cashless payment means no counting of money more loss of jobs there no more people driving around with cash vans more jobs there the implications are bigger than you think across the board have a good day that's from Mary thank you Mary yeah, I, I, I have to say this. I really do not like shops and premises and any kind of services who are now only taking card. Don't like it. It now is happening on both of our airlines. Had another message during the, the news there to say, actually, Ryanair have been doing it for a couple of years. I don't like that. You're on a plane, you're stuck there for three, four hours, and they've got you. 
with a card, you should have a cash option. I'm sorry, you absolutely should have a cash option. I mean, it's only a bag of crisps and a bottle of water or a beer and, in my case, a flipping Kit Kat. Like, what the... Why the hell? In what world did we think it was good to make it compulsory to pay for a Kit Kat with a card? I don't like that. And I like what that new leader is doing in Italy where you won't be allowed to do that now in shops in Italy I like that 0818 96 96 96 we're going to talk about dogs and in the wake of that really awful story from Ennis Carthy that poor young lad Alejandro scarred for life damaged for life his little brother has been giving some interviews and is really they're worried as to whether he'll be able to to speak properly they're worried whether they'll be able to swallow properly they're wondering whether they'll be able to it's so tragic he was mauled by a pit bull terrier uh, at the weekend it's such such a I'm going to return to that in a sec but I want to bring this to your attention because at this time of year so many people start turning up at the front door to offer you this that and the other can people watch out for a black Hyundai SUV it's an 06 vehicle treat them with suspicion they're offering to do work the cost is exorbitant they then attempt to get into your house and if you do let them in they don't finish the job they have been reported if you see them in your area please do the same and report them to the Gardaí and check on your elderly neighbours. Gardaí recommend you never use workmen who cold call at your door. Nor would I ever do that. I wouldn't buy, I don't buy lines, I don't do deal with anybody who calls to my front door. As I've often said before, if my wonderful mother herself called to my front door selling lines for the lifeboats uh, or any other such charity, I wouldn't buy it off her. Just don't do it at the door. 0818 96 96 96. Right, now this story from Ennis Garthy was so tragic at the weekend. And yesterday there was a picture published. And I have to say, when I looked at it, I recoiled. And I have a very strong stomach. This poor lad, Alejandro, his face has been destroyed. He has no lower lip left. His cheeks are damaged. One of them, they're worried whether they can repair it. His eye socket, his poor little face was mangled in these pure jaws of pure power. A pit bull terrier happened in Scorthy. A baseball bat had to be used to get the dog off the child. Man is currently detained in Escarthy Garda Station under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act, so the best, less said about that, the better. But I was making the point here that I don't know why anybody would keep a pit bull as a pet. I, I really don't. A dog that can do that to a child, I really do not know why anyone would keep it as a pet. Now, Dr. Neve Lynch is a paediatrician and an animal lover, and in a past life, Neve, you were attacked by a dog yourself. Talk to me as a doctor about the kind, first of all, about the kind of things that that dog bites can do. I mean, poor Alejandro's injuries look and sound atrocious. Good morning. Yeah, that poor child. And obviously my thoughts and sympathies go out to him and his family and I wish him a speedy recovery. Um, these types of dog attacks would be definitely, thankfully, in the minority. And it was interesting to hear you say, I don't know why anyone would keep a pit bull. 
honestly, PJ, any big dog can inflict these kind of injuries, you mm. know. So it's not, uh, obviously, there, there are issues sometimes with that breed, but any dog can inflict those kind of injuries. This was an out-of-nowhere attack, which, again, is rare. The vast majority of children who are bitten are bitten by a dog that is familiar to them. So, and and unfortunately, because of the size of children, uh, they're closer to a dog's mouth. Their face is closer to a dog's mouth than an adult would be. So when I was attacked by a dog, it was my leg that was bitten because I was that bit higher up. So unfortunately, the vast majority of injuries sustained um, to children by dog bites are to the head and neck. Mm. Come back to on the breed, though. Uh, Neve, and I've heard this repeatedly said, and my, my daughter is a veterinary nurse, and, and we've had arguments about this. She maintains any, you're right, any big dog can do this. But I found research that was done at Ohio State University where they looked at the history of injuries and the history of attacks and the dogs connected to those attacks and the injury that they did. And statistically, at least, American put, put pit bull terriers are, are the dogs that can do the most damage and are the most unpredictable. For sure. But I suppose that kind of goes back to what myself and Esther are going to be talking about tonight, which is uh, social socialization of dogs and making sure that they're bred responsibly and that they're you know taught how to interact and behave around humans from a young age. That's very important. Mm. But definitely, I mean, they're on the restricted breed list but statistically, if you look at bites across the board, the most common dog to bite is a Labrador. <laughs> yes. Because it's the most popular to, and pet. There's more of them out there. Let me bring in... Exactly. You mentioned Esther Ring from Top Barks, and you're, you're running that event uh, this evening. Uh, morning, Esther. Is she there? Are you there? I'm there. Can Hi, you hear great. me? I can, yes. Esther, do you get annoyed, and people like you, do you get annoyed with me when I put out that... Why the hell would anyone keep a pit bull as a pet? No, because look, we all have we all have fear based phobias, and when something as as terrible and as tragic as what happened up in, in Escorty happens, of course we go on the defence and say, okay, why is this animal in our society, and why has it done this to this poor boy? And of course, that's a natural, very natural human response. Um, but as um, Neil has said. It is not just down to the breed, it is the way in which the dog has been raised, you know. So it's it's very important the amount of effort that we put into our dogs when they're small and when they're young to make them social, make them well-balanced and make them safe within society. And are you saying to me, Esther, that you can take an American pit bull terrier and train them and love them and raise them and mind them to be as placid as my little Cavachon? 100%. 100%, yeah. Environmental I find that, factors. I do, I, I, you're the <laughs> expert, I'm not. I find that very hard to believe. Yeah, 100%. Look, um, unfortunately, you know, um, the, the bull breeds or the restricted breeds do come with a kind of stigma, you know, of, you know, it's kind of like, you know, do I want to drive my fancy car? Do I want to wear my nice clothes? And when it comes to breeds, you know, unfortunately, I don't know why it is, but the bull breeds is because they're big and they're powerful and they've bred them to look big and powerful, bred them to look strong. You know, um, is this a stigma that people like to have uh, an association they like to have with them? 
Um, yeah. And, you know, if we have a look at our um, restricted breed list and the regulations on it, it basically says that you are not allowed to be under 16. You must walk it on a short lead. It must wear a muzzle and it must have an ID tag. And I'm sorry, there's not one bit of information of education, of socialization, of understanding dog communication, of understanding how aggression unfolds in dogs, understanding behavioral changes in your dog. Um, like I have nieces and nephews that are 16 now, you know, and even at that, I would be still wary with any dog mm. in, in their presence, unsupervised. You know, if they don't have the skill set, would you let a 16-year-old drive a car no. if you didn't teach them how to drive the car first? No, but I, I, I don't know. I, I have this thing. I look. I've never been. I thankfully I've never been attacked by any kind no, of dog. No, nor have I. And, and, never. And, you know what? And it's for me as well. Like I, I, I want. We're, and we're doing this event at the, tonight in the Marina Market. Um, it's a dog and children safety event for people that are sharing their lives with both dogs and children. Because I was the child that grew up and was absolutely obsessed with dogs. Loved them, couldn't get enough of them. And obviously that's what I went on to be, uh, a, a canine professional, an educator. Um, um, and thankfully I was never in that position. Closely one, mm. when I went to collect a puppy with my dad, um, I had the puppy in my hand and the mom went for me, but my dad went in front of me and blocked me. So he saved me. And I remember that very distinctly. And afterwards, when I studied and educated myself, I realised, you know, that was maternal aggression. She was only protecting what was hers. Um, but at the end of the day, if my dad wasn't there, she definitely would have um, have defended her puppy because she didn't understand what was going on. Yes. Um, so it's again, it's about education. Like these, this is a completely different species to us. You know, mm. we're we're primates. We're we're grabbers. Yeah. We're doers. We're huggers. We're like, oh yes, I, give it to me. Let me look at. Yeah. And then, and canids are not. Canids are wary. They're, they're observers. Yes. Um, and they have. To um, be happy and content in the environment they're raised. But is so it not true, Esther? And if you want to come in on this one, you feel free. Is it not true that certain certain canine breeds are more amenable to human contact because they have been raised and bred around humans? So, so it makes no. So studies have shown, and you can go and you can do all your studies in the world. But studies have shown is whatever the breeds. It is how it's raised during its social, critical socialization period is what is familiar and the norm to that dog thereafter. So if I take a puppy, we took five puppies. I'm probably going to say, well, three actually, it's probably too many to do with. So we take three puppies and puppy A was, was raised with chickens and puppy B was raised with kittens and puppy C was raised with children. Then those three dogs will have absolutely no problems with chickens. Well, the first one had no problem with chickens could be a little bit wary and fearful of kittens and children because they'd never seen one before in their lives. And the vice versa applies for each of them the other way around because mm. that's what they take to be their norm. It's, it's, it's imprinting. It's, so it sounds like something from, um, from um, Twilight, but it literally is. They will take in what is normal to them within that time frame right. of their critical socialization period. Right. And unfortunately, within this period as well, we have a fear input period with between eight weeks eight and 11 of a puppy's life. And if something detrimental happens to that puppy that maybe an owner doesn't even think of, you know, something like a, dog, a child comes and picks up the puppy quickly and the puppy squirms or scratches it by mistake and the child drops that puppy just as a reaction and it happens between this period, 
when they know what that is very hard to overturn yeah. if the dog in pre- has a fear period and something ha- bad happens to them. You, you, it's called one trial learning. So look, I'm not condoning. No, you make total dog. sense. You make total yeah. sense, by the way. You make absolute yeah. sense, but you you don't ease my fear at the same time. Oh, I, 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 look, look, Neil, I'm not. I'm not a fool. Like I am, um, I approach every dog. With, oh, yeah. with, with with respect and with wariness, and of course, I have to see dogs that maybe are not happy in themselves. Yes, are are, show, are displaying different types of aggression. But at the end of the day, once you're equipped with the information, once you are able to like, so I would be hard pressed if you could get ten people to tell me what are the signs of stress in dogs, the subtle signs oh, of stress in dogs. Look. Uh, my, as I said, my daughter's a veterinary nurse and yeah. we, we, we argue about this all the time. <laughs> Niamh, just briefly, what kind of dog attacked you? Can you? Oh, I was working in Nepal with UNICEF and um, a friend of mine had adopted a street dog that was blind and not particularly healthy, but had big teeth. <laughs> and I was uh, feeding it for her and he was he was tied up on a, on a chain. I look, I mean, they just aren't kept in great circumstances out no. there. I um, He was on a chain. I underestimated the length of the chain because yes. uh, I wasn't going to get near this dog, but uh, the chain was long enough for him to, to attack me. And basically. you see, I can so see in it, the circumstances that you described them. A total stranger, I can see why the dog might might might, yeah. might turn. There. Yeah, and now, and like who knows this dog in Wexford? I mean, obviously it's a criminal case now, but it sounds like he had a history and he shouldn't have been. It would you know that, that should never have happened. It would appear that four days yeah, previously. Yeah, so been like incident, I mean, that yeah. was that. You know, this is now a criminal case, so we probably shouldn't talk probably about it. And but it, like, there's nothing to excuse it. Nothing. Um, no, but nothing, in yeah, terms of we're trying to you understand, know, like, uh, understand it, I guess, rather than an excuse. What, yeah, what exactly. But on. I suppose for me, I think I, I just remember, like, when this dog, when his teeth sank in, right? And you don't feel pain because you're in so much shock. Yes. And you know, the teeth went in, and I was like that's going to hurt, you know? <laughs> but then I was like, you know, I was, so he, he clamped and then he released. There's a scale of dog bites. So I think he was like a three or a four, right? So he clamped and released. He didn't pull. So he didn't pull a chunk of skin out. He just punctured the skin all the way through. And then he went off and he had his dinner. But the fear, like, and it was afterwards, like I was having flashbacks, I would say for months, like what if, what if, what if, what if he continued to attack me like that again I would have been into devastating territory do you know yes, what I mean yes. so I I, you know I don't want children ever to be in that situation and unfortunately we as grown-ups put children in that potential situation every single day all over Instagram mm. you see kids hugging dogs you see their eyes wide open their ears pinned back they're stressed off their head every single one of those photographs is a potential bite and the parents don't understand what yeah. the dog is saying and what myself and Esther want to do is teach people doggy language okay. so that we can understand what they're saying and avoid these situations watch, watch your dog as I said I have a little cow Sean and I, I do say that if he could he would speak so I know what you mean about a dog Dog's facial expressions can tell an awful lot about stress in particular. Let me bring in someone else who I wasn't aware was a victim of a of a dog attack when he was a youngster. Stephen Teep, morning. Good morning, PJ. I thought you'd be scratching your head when you saw my name this morning. <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> um, what happened to you? What age were you? Yeah, so look, I suppose how I'm involved in, in this was es- Esther approached me um, a couple of days ago just to... Um, add my voice to this and my lived experience. Um, I met Esther about two years ago. I was actually doing a canine obedience and training course. And um, when you're doing these courses, you're going around the room and everybody in the room is talking about what they want to go on and do, train dogs, work with dogs or whatever. 
And I said, no, I don't want to become a dog trainer. I don't want to work with dogs. And I'm actually doing this for myself because when I was a child, I got attacked very badly by uh, two dogs. And you were nine, I, I think, weren't you? I was nine years of age, the same age as that poor boy in Wexford. And the way you described it there, like the, the hair on my arms is still standing up, you know, because he's the same age now as my, my, my oldest boy, Oscar, you know. And when I see the size of Oscar, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can wrap my hand around all the way around his arms, you know, and to think what a dog can do. But um, back in the, the numbers is what I never forget. The dates and the times, the 27th of April, 1990, I was down in my neighbor's house playing. And it was a Friday and it was five o'clock. And my neighbors had two Rottweilers that they used to keep in a pen. And um, we were down there playing, and I was aware of it because you'd always hear them barking. And when you were playing soccer in the garden, they'd be always going crazy up against the fence. And anyway, we were down there that Friday, and my mum let me off down through the field to, to, to go play for an hour before dinner. But the next thing, we were at the back of the house, and these two Rottweilers come running past us and straight over to Patrick, my friend, for a rub. And I saw that they were out, and I knew straight away at nine years age, they, they're out, and they shouldn't be out. So I start walking slowly to the back door. And I didn't run, didn't scream, didn't make any sudden movements, uh, but just went slowly and tried to open the back door, but the back door was locked. And just stood there and froze and just waited, hoping the dog would away. But one of them spotted me. Mm. And I guess my presence is what startled him because I wasn't making any noises, but there was this unusual figure just standing there. So he straight away, he made a, made a beeline for me and started um, mauling my arm and my leg, started attacking me. And the second chap, the second dog, I could still see him lifting up his ears, staring at me while he was being rubbed by Patrick and then straight away making a run towards me as well. Um, I say the numbers because I was nine years old. The smallest Rottweiler was nine stone, and the biggest Rottweiler was 11 stone, and I only weighed seven. The only reason I'm here now talking to you about this is because when they attacked me, they actually pinned me into a corner, and which exposed all of my right inside my body. So underneath my T-shirt and on my leg, I still have the scars today to show it. Are you, are you uh, afraid of dogs to this day, Stephen? So, when I think of this poor boy now in Wexford, and you know, the, you were describing the attacks, the, the recovery, the physical recovery, um, like, they'll always be exposed. For me, I was so embarrassed by these scars and ashamed and didn't want to talk about them that I was lucky I could wear a jumper and pants. But it, the attack itself and what Neil was saying about the teeth sinking into you don't feel, but it was the years afterwards of the trauma of trying to get over my fear of dogs. Fear of dogs is one of those things. You, is, it's like being afraid of oxygen. And it's not until you're actually afraid of it you realize how many dogs are around and how many dogs are wandering around off lead. They are literally everywhere. So in order for me to go back to school, I wouldn't go back to school. I was in second or third class until my parents, I knew, spoke to the teachers. And I went to a school in the middle of Douglas and often a dog would be running through the playground randomly. You wouldn't bat an eyelid at it, but I knew that could happen. So I would have to warn my parents to warn the teachers to make sure that, you know, that um, if they see a dog in the playground, come get me and bring me in. Every time I went to a friend's house, I would be uh, mapping out in my head, right, what what would we be doing at this house? Would we be walking to the shop? What way would we be walking? Would we be walking past dogs? Constantly, all through my primary school years, terrified through my teenage years as I got less and less scared um, I got less and less scared as I got bigger 
but it wasn't until um, I met Irene and we actually I convinced her to get a dog so I grew up with dogs and I was fine with my own dogs it was strange dogs that we actually got our own dog uh, Layla still have her now she's actually 15 next week oh, but um, it wasn't until I got her and I remember she was a tiny little pup the size of my hand when we got her and she was asleep in my chest and she looked at me and let out a growl I know I'm telling you like a grown man the size of my hand and she let out a growl and I nearly lost my life on the couch. It was ridiculous. And I was about 25, 26. And I was like, this has got to end. I cannot continue living life like this. And that's when I started teaching myself about dogs, about dog behavior. You talk about the signs of the dogs, but it was more, how will I interact with dogs so they don't come running over to me or if they do, they, they won't be jumping on me. Or what do you do if they do jump on you? How do I walk past a Rottweiler again? When will I ever be able to do that? And this was the reason why I did that course later on. But now that I've done a full circle, I'm now raising kids with two dogs in my house. Yes. And I am very, very conscious of the importance of, um, I suppose, the three rules in my house. I suppose as like the dogs and children need rules. There has to be boundaries and there has to be respect respect for the dog, but the dog has to respect the rules and the boundaries also. And these yeah. are the rules that now I'm trying to encourage. Um, Esther goes on about the socialization period, uh, which is very, very, very important. And this is why I suppose a lot of focus has to be put on the breeders. And especially over COVID for the last couple of years, where you saw them really profiting from the the sales of dogs. And you were you'd have to question what rules and regulations yes. are there for breeders? What are they doing around the socialization yes. period so we can yes. prevent this going forward? Because this is a really scary time, I think. And and can, I, can, I just, can I hold you guys for a minute or two? Because I need to take a commercial break. I'm getting so into this conversation, I've completely forgotten to clear a commercial break. So Neve and, and Esther and Stephen, if you just hold for me for a couple of minutes and we'll come back to this for a few minutes more because I wanted to pursue that with you a small bit, Esther. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. Happy Holidays. With your local maze. Savings with a smile. All through the Christmas season. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Talking with Esther Ring from Top Barks, from Dr. Neve Lynch and from Stephen Teep about dogs and dog attacks in the wake of that awful attack on that little chap Alejandro up the country at the weekend. And there's an event tonight at Marina Market um, to do with dogs and families and dog behaviour and how, you know, kids and growing up around dogs. Just a question for you there, Esther. If I came to you and said, I have two children um, and I'm thinking of getting a dog and I'm planning to get a pit bull, what would you say to me? I would be delighted that you came to me and asked me that question because if I could have a, the, as many people in the world or in Cork City to pick up the phone and say, I am thinking about getting a dog, what breed should I get? And that is the start of an amazing journey because that person already has made good choices because they're willing to speak with somebody professional to say, okay, we're thinking about getting a dog. What dog breed should I get? Um, And how should I go about it? How should I locate that dog? So it's not the breed. My biggest question would be, how old are your children? 
I'm a mom of two young children. I have a four-year-old and I have a two-year-old. I don't have a dog at the moment. I lost my dog last year in March. He was 12. Mm. I haven't got a dog yet, only because of the fact I am so busy with the business and being my two young children that I don't think it's the right time for a dog. And she is two, but he's a real boy of two. You know, he's grabby, he's touchy, he does everything he's not meant to do, and we love him. But, like, I could see him and a puppy not really coinciding at the moment. Mm. It's not really the breed. It's, you know, where is your life at the moment? Where is your family situation at the moment? And then they did turn around to me and said, okay, I have a 12-year-old and we have a 14-year-old. We've always loved dogs. I, I like pit bull. I like Staffordshire bull terriers. No real, there's no actual pit bull breed. It's a bull breeds or Staffordshire bull terriers. And I would say to them, okay, that's no problem. If you think about a Staffordshire bull terrier in your house, um, have a think about the future. One, this is a restricted breed. So this, for me, look, being a restricted breed for the dog is quite sad because it, technically, if you come to me as a puppy, and you're a puppy of a restricted breed, and we're playing in an off-seat lead to play setting, um, um, and I'm in, in a public setting, that puppy should be muzzled from, from, from the very beginning, even at a very young age, 10 or 11 weeks. So if you put a puppy muzzled at 10 or 11 weeks into a play session with other puppies, you're handicapping it straight away. It's not able to display natural behaviours, so therefore there were already causing mm. issues on how that puppy's even been raised. Right. So, like, for me, you know, I'm not, don't get me wrong, there is laws and there's bylaws and they're there for the reason. But, like, even the way we raise these dogs, we don't let them socialise. We can't, I can't have them in off-lead settings because if I have the public with me, so I have to obey the, the law. They're muzzled within, in, in public places. Mm. And, you know, 99%, oh, not 99%, I give a lot of people their credit and a lot, a lot of good dog owners out there. But, like, are they being muzzle-trained correctly? Are they sure... Well, Esther, isn't that because, and as people, there are messages pouring into me this morning, and Mm. if these people are wrong, tell me, the the original origin of these breeds was to fight, and it's in their DNA to fight. They're not... they, They weren't bred to fight. They were bred to take down bulls. So they're bred, they were bred to chase and they were bred to, to, to hang on, you know, and that's very much their play style. Even if you watch them yeah. in, in a daycare setting, if you watch them play, they're quite robust, they're quite rough. But then if you look at a collie playing, she's quite sneaky. So she'll go in and she'll nip the ankles of another dog and then she'll run off and she'll go, very oh, will you chase me? And then she'll come back and she'll go, oh, will you chase me again? They all have different play styles. But it's, it's how they are raised. And it's back to this point, Ian, that Stephen made, and I, I missed it, and I'm thankful that Stephen mentioned it, how they're being bred, how the breeders are playing their part, and how they're being raised. Just one thing that I'd like to say is, in, in, in Holland, they did a study in 2010, and they showed that the top six dogs that bit in the 2010 studies were Jack Russells, German Shepherds, Yorkshire Terriers, Maltese, Dobermans, Rotties, and um, who else do I have there? Um, golden retrievers and the the outcome of the um, of the paper was not to put breed based strategies in place but to increase their policies on education and I go to it again if I'm going to learn how to drive I have to do my RSA um, online um, right. course first and then I have to get lessons afterwards if we want people to be safe around dogs we need to educate training we need education training communication and understanding safe choices by people that own these dogs 
uh, responsible dog breeding, responsible dog ownership, and this will help to reduce the risk. You, you probably then would not be happy with me saying, and I, I'm, I'm listening to you, you make so much sense. Stephen, Neve, you're making so much sense. But I'm still thinking that a pit bull, to use the term, a bull terrier as a pet is like keeping an alligator in the bath. I wouldn't trust it. Well, you have to you have to apply that to all dogs because I don't like for me. I have to respect all dogs. I wouldn't I wouldn't trust any dog. You know, any dog can change. Environmental factors can change throughout a dog's life. So, for argument's sake, say if you have a dog for years, and this is why I encourage people to come tonight. It's a free event. Yes. Even if you have the dog, and the dog's ten years of age at home, or even Stephen said now his his dog is now fifteen. There has huge implications at the age yeah. of 15. Can, can, can dogs get a bit of dementia? Uh, we of were course talking they can. Of course they can. They can go to canine dementia, cognitive degeneration, right. pain. So imagine, imagine if you were... I, I have a so dog can have stuff going on we know nothing about. Nothing. And you know what? Because of the way they are, where they, with their, their genetic makeup as dogs, they do not display outwards symptoms of disease because they don't want to be left behind because they're social animals. So whether, whether they, we, they're living in the wilds where uh, village dogs like Neve came into contact, you know, they won't, they won't, they'll try their best to stay as fit as healthy as possible so that they get to stay with the group because they're more I successful see. as a group. I see, I see. Um, so then if you have a dog that is inwardly in pain, it mightn't actually be like, you know, sad and low life right. or having low energy in the corner. Right. So what will happen is a child will brush off or the parts that sore, touch the ear, touch the head. And the dogs, because they lack the part of their brain that is um, has logic when you have to go into the, the, the nervous system. So if, if a dog feels intense pain, it doesn't turn on and go, okay, why did you do that to me? It no, reacts. It turns it to react. And, and it can have things going on mental and physical that we know nothing, 100, nothing, 100%, no, nothing about. And you have to take it. Every life stage is different and every life stage has its own risks and its own journey, and it's our responsibility as dog owners and as parents to make sure that both species are happy and content as much as they can be in the environment because, that we have given. You know, man's best friend. I suppose I'm kind of coming around as I sit listening to the three of you. You know, man's best friend, the, turn, the, 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 the title is real. And as I often say, we don't deserve dogs for how much good and joy and I'm sure Stephen you'd say it as well despite what you've been through and Neve so would you we don't deserve dogs for the joy they can bring to our lives Mm. but we need to work on that relationship you don't agree? It's a symbiosis it's a a, a lovely symbiosis that we we share with them and unfortunately if um, the dog went in the morning we'll still carry on but it wouldn't be the other way around for the dog so if humans went off the face of the earth in the morning unfortunately the dog would soon follow because they are so dependent on us and it's only a small percentage of the world's population dogs that lived as, as pets as we know them in our pampers on the couch or sleeping yeah. in our bed or whatever. The rest of the dogs in the world don't live like that at all. <laughs> it's true. All right. Tonight, Marina Market, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Free right. event. Free event. All right. Listen, Stephen Teep, Esther Ring from Top Barks and Dr. Neve Lynch. Thank you all. I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you very much for being with me this morning. I still... I'm going to stick by this. I still don't know why anybody would keep a pit bull as a pet. I, I, I accept the experts look at it differently, but I still don't know why anybody would want to keep a pit bull as a pet. Nick says a pit bull has no 
purpose other than it's being bred for fighting. Uh, Richard, they were bred for fighting, not for domestication, where they were bred to take down bulls, is what Esther said. Now, they were put fighting. Also, could people stop bringing their dogs with them when they're dropping or collecting from school? John, I believe dogs are often put down after biting attacks. In my opinion, the owners should also be investigated if there's an incident. I don't see why most of the investigation is centred on the dog. I'm sorry for the pit bulls and the pit bull types do have higher potential to do harm than, say, a Labrador. That's why they're restricted. Too risky. What's wrong with having a smaller Maltese or a Cavachon? Sure, behaviour training might work, but the dog's nature is wrong. Nature versus nurture, but nature will always affect the dog. That's from me. Many, many other comments coming in. PJ, I have an unbelievable fear of cats. They're demonic little... Fur- oh, I love cats. They're demonic little furballs. They're evil. I can't go into a house that has a cat. They give me the fear. I can't be exposed to them. It's frightening how much they scare me, says Jar. Come with me, Jar, and I'll, I'll, I'll train that out of you in an afternoon. I'll bring you to meet my two lunatics and you'll change your mind. 0818 96 96 96. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with the latest in Cork's entertainment. The Sultans of Ping are bringing their casual sex and Cineplex 30th anniversary shows to Cork for two nights at the Opera House early in the new year and special guests have just been announced. The Love Buzz and First Class and Coach will join the Sultans on the 10th of February with Cork favourites A Cow in the Water and Pretty Happy joining them on night two. Access all areas. Roisin O'Sullivan's exhibition I See Skies comes to the Triscoll Gallery space on Thursday, December 1st. Roisin's art stems from her experience of nature with paintings and objects that Reflect the natural world around her. It runs until Sunday, 26th of March. Access all areas. If you have a gig, exhibition, or show coming up in Cork in the next few weeks, send us your information here at Cork's 96 FM and we'll be happy to host it. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96 FM. Kate says, remember if your dog bites someone, it could cost you €5,000 in damages. I understand that people think dogs are playful. But if the dog gets it into their head that they're under threat, the instinct is, you know, a sudden change in behaviour, shall we say. I have a big old Aegis, a big old pet of a border collie. He's a dote. He's never attacked anyone, but I know he could. And I'd never take a chance with anyone who was vulnerable. Thanks for that, Kate. 0818 So we're talking about all this in the wake of that horrific attack on that little lad, Alejandro in Enniscorthy at the weekend. His life has changed forever. His life is destroyed. Um, the scars he will have, the pain he will go through, they don't even bear thinking about it. I'm sure Stephen Teep can identify and did identify, he told us he identified, with what Alejandro is facing and his family are facing. Kevin, you don't blame the dog. You see, this is where you and I kind of might differ here. You don't blame the dog, morning. Morning, PJ. Hi, how are you? How you um, doing? Well, myself personally, I, I've, 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 I feel like I'd have plenty of experience with lots of different dogs, and I, and in my opinion, I just feel like it, it all comes down to it's how it's brought up. I've, um, I've, I've raised lots of dogs, and they've always been brought up in a loving environment, and they've been never ever any sort of a threat or even a whiff of it. Uh, they've come up around kids, my younger brothers and sisters, and currently now even my own daughter. Um, we have two Pomskys at home. I know a completely different breed entirely, but it's um, 
it, I, I feel it's always down to the upbringing. If if I had them at home and I was beating them or, or hitting them every time they'd done something and, you know, roaring and shouting and putting them into a very uncomfortable position and and and, and keeping them afraid, they're bound to kind of snap back eventually, you know. Um, but they're brought up in a very loving environment at all times and my little one could throw them around the house and they'd never have the smallest bit of a, a bother in them. Mm. Um, I know... I know even with pit bulls, I know, I know people who have pit bulls and mm. she's two or three of them. They're raised in the house with herself. She's got a young daughter now, probably about a year old at this stage. So for the last year, she's been in the house with the three pit bulls and there's absolutely not a bother in the world with them. Uh, Are you sure? Myself. Oh, absolutely. I've been in the house with all of them. I've, I've, you know, we've played games, run alone. We've messed with the dogs. There's, there's, there's kind of like, um, you could nearly tell with a dog, you know, if, when you're kind of around them a long time, you can nearly tell, you know, all right, that dog's not a little iffy, you know, just don't go near it, you know. Mm. You kind of, I don't know, you pick up on it yourself as you kind of build a little more experience, but I do put it down to the, to the bringing up of the, of the animal. Like, if it's brought up in a loving environment and it's always got everything it needs. Mm. You, know. you say you've got this friend who has three pit bulls. Why would anybody want three pit bulls? Again, if some like there's a breed for everybody. Every every dog was bred for a different reason, you know. Um, some people find it as a I don't know a, a kind of a status maybe, or, or uh, some people just adore the look of the dog. They they look adorable to some people. Um, it wasn't ever brought into it, it, they weren't ever brought in for, you know, for any negative thoughts and feelings or fighting or anything like that. They were just brought in as pups. And I think I don't know did she get them off somebody else who didn't want them or whatever, she took him in, and she's had him since pups, and just never had a problem with him. She loves him, and I, I've been down with him a couple of times. I think they're fantastic dogs. Mm, yeah, you, you'd have no, yeah. you'd have no qualms about being alone with them? No, no, personally myself, but at the same time, I'm fully aware not every dog can be trusted. Some dogs you don't know, like, I have no idea what my neighbour's dog yeah, The experts like. tell no us, Kevin, if we're listening to them, and I think I'm listening to Esther carefully enough, you can't fully one hundred percent trust any dog. I know. I I I would I go against that. I would I would one hundred percent hand on heart trust any of the dogs I've ever raised. Um, I've trusted them with my little girl since she was a baby, and prior to that, but even when I was a young fella, uh, there was times stories I could tell you that you wouldn't even believe. You know, it just connections yeah. with dogs that I've had. Yeah, it's funny. I I, I, I I tell you a story of my own, which illustrates like that. My boy. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he loves our animals, but he's not tactile. He doesn't pet them like the rest of us do. Um, and they won't go to him. But if he's alone in the house, one of them will follow him around to make sure he's all right. Keep it an eye on yeah. him. They won't yeah. go look. They won't go looking for petting, or they won't go looking to snuggle up with him watching the telly because he doesn't like that. Yeah, but they'll be aware. But they keep an eye. When yeah. we're not around, they keep an eye to him, and yeah. you know that's 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 something that you can't understand. You can't explain that. You know, even when I was a young fella, I it's, it's funny enough, but I was only about nine or ten, and I remember one of my dogs was in heat, and I went out to the kennel, and we had that red light above us for warmth. But I was out there with some toys and playing with her while she was in heat, and I fell asleep. But when I woke up in the morning, she was after giving birth to her pups, and. I was the only one in the house that was able to pick them up and rub them. I could do whatever I wanted with them. Even if my father came out, she was iffy when he touched them. 
But if I picked the pup up, I could hand it to my father and she'd have not a bother. But if somebody came without my consent or her own consent or whatever, she'd be a little iffy about it. She'd never bite or anything, but she'd let you know that she's a little wary, yeah. you know? It's, it's, it's remarkable. I remember being away for work when my wife was pregnant on the twins. And I was, she was quite advanced in the pregnancy. And I was away and we had a, a collie at the time. And oh, yeah, that collie never left her side while I was away. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Came up to the bed, yeah, came down to the kitchen, came out to the washing, everything. Yeah. My sister and the two beat on freeze and they'd be quite like that as well. They'd be very affectionate at times. So, and they'd be aware of, of her moods and her and her moments. So if, if she was having moments where she was having cramps or whatever, they'd be up on the couch lying up on top of her, maybe having her head on top of her stomach or something. So they yeah. were... Um, they're fierce, they're fierce affectionate and it all comes down to the in my opinion it's how they're brought up if you have yes. them and you're, and you're well able to give a dog a hug as a pup and you're raising it up with your family and you're always rubbing it and giving it attention and hugging it and doing whatever so it's well used to that kind of attention Yes, I, I've never ever in my life I've had dogs that I've been attacked by when I was younger but never by the ones I've brought up by you know yes yes. I, I, it's, it's the saying it became very popular in recent years we, we, we don't, for the joy they bring into our lives we don't deserve dogs oh yeah or even what they like for a dog, they can nearly understand everything we tell them, but we have no idea of one single thing they're trying to tell us, and we're meant to be the intelligent. Do you talk to your dogs? Absolutely, the morning, noon, and night. Yeah, we'd have everything. <laughs> my my dogs would be fierce, fierce affectionate. I've one who's just she'll jump up in the bed and straight in for a cuddle as soon as you're lying down. So, so you're you know, not the only one that came down to the kitchen this morning, and morning, lads. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it's more like get out, get out as soon as I can see you, and out to the toilet, and then when they come in, then it's a quick hello, then you know. Yeah, yeah, but we 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 all we we need to be aware though of that some dogs like that misfortunate child, that dog that yeah. he met on Sunday, there was a problem there. Yeah, there yeah problem. I, that 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 one comes down to I really do think it was just something in the dog that made him snap. It was just his, his attitude, you know, like if he was doing that with. You'd expect that kind of action from him playing with a toy at home, you know that kind of way. Yes. And it, it was extremely, extremely unfortunate. My heart goes out to himself and his entire family. Like, and hope and hopefully makes his best recovery as he can. Thank you, Kevin. Good conversation. I'd rather be bitten by a Jack Russell than by a pit bull. Says this message. For me, PJ, it's a simple message. Any dog can attack. How much damage can your particular breed do when they attack? But pit bull, pit, pit bull terriers can kill. That message from. Liam. Hi PJ, great conversation. I find there's no one policing these more dangerous dogs in parks or public places. I don't know how they'd even do it. There's a big sign at the front of Ballancolic Regional Park about dangerous dogs that must be muzzled. However, all the time you can see those dogs unmuzzled and being walked in the park. I see an American pit bull all the time. The owner's constantly being confronted by people but simply refuses to muzzle him. And that's from March. Yeah. By the way, that's one last thing before I go to a news. There's no such thing as a banned list of dogs in this country. There are restricted breeds. There is no actual breed banned in Ireland, uh, to the very best of my knowledge. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. Merry Christmas! With your local mace. Great value deals for family and friends this Christmas. Santa baby! For 96-
non-stop Christmas hits. Non-stop Christmas hits. My Christmas present for you. Listen to Cork's 96 Miss. Streaming online now. With Blackpool gift cards. They're the best with so much choice for all the family. Pure shopping. Pure Christmas. Pure Blackpool. Download our app or see 96fm.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Claudia is still engaged with this conversation about dogs and, and dog attacks and this misfortunate led in Enniscorthy, Alejandro. And we had a very sensible, I thought reasonably balanced conversation between 10 and 11 um, with with Esther, particularly from Top Barks, and with Dr. Neil Lynch and with Stephen Teep, who was attacked when he was only nine. Actually, I've got the, the, the newspaper clipping. He sent it to us, a newspaper clipping from back then about the attack and it was horrific Tommy Barker was writing the story in the examiner back then and there's a picture of nine year old Stephen in very cool pyjamas <laughs> but uh, that's just a by the by 0818 96 96 96 the number the text to whatsapp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96mm Dot IE. Happy to keep this going as well if you want to do so. I think we'll go to, will I go to Eileen or to Charlie first? Charlie's been waiting a while. Eileen will be with you in just a sec, but Charlie, you're you're up now. You go in Clash Dove Park a lot and people just don't read the signs. Morning. Good morning, yeah. Yeah, there you go, PJ. Simple thing as putting a lead on a dog, yeah. Because I know there's some kids adults and they'd be half nervous going into a park if they see dogs running around the place, you know? Yeah. Because they just, maybe they were bitten, they were bitten one time by a dog and whatever. But there is a sign, there's more than one sign saying, foot lead on the dog. Yes. You know, and people just don't bother, I don't know why. Regarding bulldogs, you're on about a while ago, you don't like them, yeah? Well, the the so-called pit bull, as I said, I'd I'd rather keep an alligator, to be honest with you. I I, I just have an inherent fear of them. (laughs) And I love dogs. I absolutely love dogs. I'm the same, I always... Anyway, I was walking through the park one time with the grandchild and this man hit two bull, two huge bulldogs now. I don't know what type they were, like, you know, there's different kinds, American staffs and all that. Anyway, long story short, he's walking as proud now as Anthony. It's kind of a macho thing with some people as well, like look at me and my bulldog. And when I was passing him, we had to move out of the way when he was passing. Two big dogs now. I said to the grandson, no, they are not poodles. Well, the young man gave me a look because, you know, he's he didn't want to be thinking that his dogs are poodles, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like, it's just a simple thing. Put put the lead on the dog, yes. you know? Yeah. And this guy, now, they're two, he was walking two bull, bull oh, terriers. Oh, they were massive dogs. Without leads? No. Oh, I know, in fairness now, okay. they were on the lead. Right. In fairness now, to the man like, you know? Yeah. More often than not, you will see people with the bull staffs in the park. And they'd, be, they'd have a lead on them. And right, you saw it. It's supposed to be a short lead, too, and a strong lead. There yeah. you go. There you go, yeah. 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 But um, I don't know. I suppose, simple thing. Go. There's a law there for it. Yeah. People, we Put just don't keep them. I know that when my missus takes the dogs out of an evening, um, she, she does bring them to a place where she can safely let them off. 
for 10 minutes and they just run around like two fools and then they come. If you're going to leave your dog off the lead, bring them to a, bring them to a place where you're not going to meet anybody else. Yeah. My daughter knows the same. She's living on East Cork. She rescued three dogs. And what she do, what she used to do, there's only two, two one of them left now, unfortunately. But she bring them to a beach, a nice quiet place, and, you know, mm. leave them off and they're running. Because they and love to chase the, the ball. And the obvious as well, like, yeah. people, would they need to pick up the poo in the park as well, oh, or the poo anywhere. There's a thing like, I mean, God almighty, you know. You'll have to follow them, follow them home and throw the poo into their garden, yeah? Oh, Charlie, I couldn't be endorsing that now, but I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I know exactly what I you know. mean, boy. Listen, thanks a lot, man. Cheers. All right, Cheers. Good. good call. Please, yes, if you have your dog in a public place, put the dog on the lead. It doesn't matter what kind of a dog it is. Put the dog on the lead. We've also had an email about staffies. I was actually in my local barber um, in Douglas there a week or two ago and there was a family there and they're kind of a regular family you see them coming in they have a couple of small boys come in for the haircuts and they had this most adorable little grey puppy I mean beautiful little dog beautiful little dog and the dog was with them on a the little lead little harness and they came over and I was patting the dog's head and I said to the mummy I said what kind of is he and she says he's a he's a nine ten week a ten week old staffy. What a gorgeous little dog! But I'm also thinking of this massive ball of muscle and bone that he will be in a couple of years' time. And I'm thinking I'd be half afraid of him. I would indeed. Now, Eileen, you have a sad story to tell me. Morning. Yeah. Good morning, PJ. Uh, yeah. Very very sad. About twenty years ago, my husband's niece in Holland. She had, um, it was actually a pit bull. I thought it was a Doberman, but it's a pit bull. Mm. She had her dog for 10 years and loved, loved, um, loved the dog. But she had her first baby, and which came home from hospital uh, on the first day. She was feeding her baby and the dog attacked the baby, which was horrendous. Oh, my God. And, uh, and her, her, her baby died. And the police came and took her dog out and shot her, shot the dog. So it was just horrendous. Um, now, the dog had never shown any signs of, of um, you know, being nasty to other people. Um, she, As I said, she had him for 10 years, but obviously must have been jealousy or something. It was just terrible. Oh, my God. What a thing to happen. Mm, mm, yeah, she... she um, and as Literally I said, the day the newborn came home from the hospital. Yes, yeah, yeah, awful. Just horrendous. And she, it wasn't that she, the baby was left, you know, in a in a room on its own. It wasn't. It, the baby was in her arms, but the dog, obviously jealousy or something, and he had never shown any signs before that. My God, mm, just terrible. Wow, that's a that that's that's a very tragic story, a horrendous story, but yeah. a tragic story more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, Eileen, thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Unpredictable. Now, as we were saying earlier on, um, dogs can also have something going on mentally, uh, and you've no way of knowing really, but they can have something going on mentally or physically. Dogs can have dementia or anything like that. So you kind of don't know. 
Now, Saoirse has made contact with us. I'll take the break first, lads, and then I'll talk to Saoirse. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96FM. With your local mace, amazing value, sure to make you smile this Christmas. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks 96 FM. Whether you're working out, chilling out, or clocking out, make sure you're with me every evening on the big drive home where it's good vibes only. Finish off early, looking out at your miserable weather, and you're just after making it look like now it's a really hot day in Ibiza. Hooking you up with the biggest songs and the best prizes. I've got your evenings in Cork sorted. No better feeling. I'll catch you every weekday from four. The big drive home with Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs, the new home for. Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM. Saoirse, thanks for holding. Now, you've contacted us from the Bully Keeper Kennels, and I don't think you're too happy with me. Morning. <laughs> Morning. Um, no, I just didn't like the statement that you said. I don't know why anyone has a pit bull. I don't. Personally, for me, I have plenty of dogs. I have all XL bullies, I have staffies, and I have pit bulls. Now, each and every single one of them have been with kids. I've had my two-year-old godchild literally in the kennels with my dogs. She's been out by my kennel, sticking her hands in the kennels. I haven't been there watching her. Older sister has been there. She's nine or ten. And they go out there, they play with the dogs and everything else. But those They're- dogs, Saoirse, have the power in their jaws and a head of muscle and bone to take the hand clean off a child, take the hand clean off you. That's not safe, is it? Well, if if the dogs are raised right, then there's no need to worry. If you're going to go out and you're going to be baiting your dog with a stick or if you're going to be screaming and roaring at your dog, your dog's going to turn. A dog will only take so much before it'll snap. You should remember as well, on top of the post that I read about the... XL bully or the people, whatever it was that attacked the small boy of Wexford the dog was only given to a man a couple of months ago a couple of weeks ago or something well, the well, we, well, there's broke. a court case pending now so we probably best to say no more but what we do know is that about three or four days previously there'd been another incident I haven't heard anything about it yeah. previous incident about it at all but I've seen a video there not long ago of a golden retriever literally eating the insides of a husky and it's the pit bulls that get the name or the XL bullies or the staffies that get the name. Mm. But like, what about the chihuahuas that chase me up the road? Oh, well, or- I hate chihuahuas and you mentioned poms. I hate Pomeranian. Pom- I'm sorry, anyone who has a Pomeranian, I hate them. I the hate cross, them. Cross, nasty little shaggers. I hate them. Hate them. It's always the smaller breeds that are the most aggressive, I personally think. Like, I haven't had a single incident with any of my dogs where they've tried to attack a person, another dog, like there's never ever been an incident because the dogs are brought up right it's all down to the way they're brought up and how are they brought up Saoirse? with kindness a dog if a dog if you show a dog respect the dog's going to show you respect mm. it's the same way as if you're going to show a human respect you expect respect and what do you what, what attracts you to like we know the history of the of the bull the bully as you call them the history of the bull they actually literally were bulldogs and they were raised big and strong and, and hefty to chase and bring down bulls. Well, the the XL bullies aren't all pit bulls. Yeah, I know that. An actual mixed breed between pit bulls, staff, English bulldogs, and everything else that you kind of want to get in there. All the bulls. 
They're mm. all like that. They're not made straight, just pit bulls. But what attracts me to them is they're actually a loving nature dog. They're a loving like, dog, are they? Yeah, yeah. I actually have them. I, they actually sleep inside my bed with me. I had a pup that I hand fed since it was, geez, I used to sit down every two hours every single day and hand feed the dog every single day. And never once have I ever been bitten by any single one of my own dogs. I've also been to other people's kennels where they all have pit bulls and XL bullies and staffies. They've never bit me. Like, I've been up the country to other kennels. I've been to the XL bully dog shows, the pit bull dog shows and everything else. I've never came across an aggressive one. Yeah. And I was... I quoted this research earlier on and see what you think about it. Someone who keeps them and, and, and raises them, and I'm interested in this. They did research at the Ohio State University a few years back, and it was published in psychologytoday.com. But they looked into the history of dog attacks across the states, from the thousands of dog attacks that happen every year. They looked at the dog, they looked at the severity of the bite, they looked at the circumstances of the bite, and they concluded that the most dangerous dog in terms of it's likely to to attack and the injury it can cause is one of the bull breeds. Well, I've never had a dog, a, a bull breed that's bit me. I've had been chased by terriers. I've been tried to be bitten by terriers. I've been chased by palms. I've been chased by huskies, golden retrievers, labradors, like you name it, I've been chased by them. And I've never had any single one of my bullbreeds or any bullbreed that I've ever de- dealt with myself. Mm. I'm even looking into getting an English bull terrier. Right. That's how I love with them, do- them kind of dogs that I am. Like, there's myself, my partner, and there's a couple of other of us involved inside in our kennels. So our dogs are spread out. Okay. And if I fall to the house, none of my dogs will attack me. Same way, he's got kids. Like, one of the lads have kids inside in his house. And he could let his child sit up on the back of my dog and it wouldn't do nothing. It wouldn't even react. It wouldn't, like, it wouldn't even lift its head. Yeah. It just don't care. Like, you could literally jump up on top of them. They don't care. It's down to the way they're bred, their bloodlines, the way they're bred, the way they're brought up. Like, if you're going to bring a dog up and you're going to train it in bite, like what I've done with one of my pit bulls, I've trained it to bite. But it only bites in command. That's the way. That's the way that these dogs they need to be mentally stimulated. They're not going to be mentally stimulated. So you've trained one of them to bite. Yeah. Why? To protect my home. Right. So if there's anybody tries to come into my home, like they're not going to be able to get into my home or into my yard. Right. Because I have a tra- fully trained protection dog. It's the same way I've. And with that dog, this is interesting. Will that dog respond to your voice? What I mean by this is. If if I come to the back of your house and your dog is on watch and goes for me mistakenly because they assume I might be there to cause trouble, can you call that dog off with a word? No, instantly, instantly. Instantly? Instantly, the dog will stop literally on command. It stops straight on point. I sent my dog away to get trained. I went up there. I'd done the training with him as well. Uh, the dog stops on command. I also went away. I trained my Australian Kelpie. I don't know if you ever heard of him. I have done, yeah. yeah. I went away. I trained my Australian Kelpie in the exact same way by myself. And they have, they, have they have a more common name? Is it Blue Heel or something? They call them. No, there's a Blue Healer as well as um, an Australian Kelpie. An Australian okay. Kelpie, um, a relative of the Blue Healers. Okay. 
Okay, same family. Right. But I, like the second I tell them to stop, they stop. Right. I see. It's... Listen, I'm 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 fascinated by what you tell me, Sirsha. Thanks. I, w- I invite you to to listen to the email I'm about to read as well, Sirsha. Good conversation. Thank you very much, Sirsha. Keeps and trains all these breeds in the Bully Keeper kennels, and she keeps pit bulls, Staffordshires, and her own dogs are all of that breed and that family as well. Um. Here's an email we got. A staffie strayed into my back garden a few months ago. Found the owner who said she didn't want him because she wasn't able to handle how badly behaved he was. She had him chained up in the yard the whole time. She said if we could find a home for him, she didn't want anything to do with him. So we took him in. He was 11 months old. We took him in with the intention of fostering and finding a home for him. I was reluctant to take him in, as I'd never had a dog like this before, and I was aware of their reputation. I've trained dogs in the past, but never dogs with that kind of bite force. Initially, and I'm reading the words here because it's signed by... Initially, he was a bollocks. Uh, Let's use the word, because that's what Darren writes. Initially, he was a bollocks. He was very boisterous and very rough with my wife. Play biting was a big issue and one that I wanted to phase out quickly. Once I established a training and discipline regiment with him, he became a lot more focused, playful and communicative. He's excellent with kids and other animals, although he will still chase my mother-in-law's cat. Honestly, he's one of the smartest, most loving dogs I've ever had, and it's a pleasure to know him. Dogs of this type of breed get a bad rep because, as mentioned, a lot in this discussion... They're almost exclusively bought by scumbags who want a tough-looking dog but have no idea how to train or to lead one. People should be vetted before being allowed to own a dog like that. We vaccinated and we chipped our guy after two months. He's now officially ours. We're very glad to have him. We're also aware of our responsibilities and duty of care to others as his owners. It's important that anyone who takes in a dog like this understands they have the potential to be dangerous. That's from Darren. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. And seriously, I hope heard that and appreciated the sentiments in it. Tom PJ, you said the dogs shouldn't be left off a lead in public, and then you said your wife leaves them off a lead in a safe place. All places outside your door are public. I lived in Australia. If you leave a dog off a lead, you're guaranteed to get a fine. That's the way to do it. Should we? Let me just clarify, Tom. Um. I do take your point everywhere is a public place everywhere is a public place on a park, on a road in anywhere that she's likely to meet another human being or another dog, neither my wife nor my daughter or myself when I walk them would dream of taking them off but there are places a little bit off the beaten track where you can take your dog and let them very safely off the lead to wander yes it's a public place it's probably illegal. But they do love it. And they are well trained. But I do take your point. You should never leave your dog off the lead. I know that. Mind you, if you go up to... Um, and I'll say this straight out because I've been there enough times to know it. Gary Duff Woods, which is a fabulous place to walk a dog. Um, Gary Duff Woods is full of dogs that are off the lead. No, they're... 
well-behaved dogs for the most part. Um, but it happens up there. Anyone who has pit bulls in a house with a baby shouldn't have the baby. Says that message there. Lads, great discussion. I think dogs aren't born to be aggressive. It's the owner who trains them. For example, look at Love Hate and the dog fighting. Not long after that aired, that dog, the dog breed became the Umphala's new handbag. I do remember that, Bridget, I do. Great show, says Bridget, and thank you. 0818 96 96 96. I keep coming back to this one. I'd love to talk to Ger if she was willing to take a call on this or maybe come back to me, Ger, and we'd talk a bit more about this. This is to do with cats. Um, and if I love dogs, I have even more love for cats. It's a different kind of relationship. That's something people don't get. Um, you, you own your dog. You are your dog's owner. Your cat owns you and you're their staff. That's the truth of it. I love cats. We have two cats in my house. Love cats. And I always love to see a cat in public, particularly if a cat is a bit affectionate and you can go up to it and stroke it. I love that. PJ, says Ger, I have an unbelievable fear of cats. They're demonic little furballs. They're evil. I can't go into a house that has a cat. They give me the fear. I can't be exposed to them. It's frightening how much they scare me, says Ger. That's actually kind of sad, Ger. I have to say, I'm kind of sorry for you because they're the most wonderful little creatures. When you get to understand a cat and understand the relationship you have with a cat, they're the most fabulous little creatures. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, there was a few questions came in uh, aimed at Saoirse. She's gone off the line, but I'm sure she'll answer them if, if she's listening and she can text in. Uh, is an American bull staff banned in the Republic of Ireland? It's banned in the UK and several other European countries, apparently. It's the dog in the American incident. This happened in... Let me put my paw on it. Speaking of dogs, paw. Let me put my... It was in Tennessee, I think it was. Yes, Tennessee. Uh, this was two young children were mauled to death by a dog and their mum was hospitalised. This is according to the county sheriff's office in Shelby. Uh, Shelby Forest State Park near Memphis, Tennessee on Wednesday, that's last week, the sheriff's office said... A two-year-old girl and a five-month-old boy found dead. Their mother was also attacked. Mother is uh, critical but stable in hospital. The dogs were euthanized. The identity of the victim was not released. The dog wasn't identified in that article that I read. But according to this message, person thinks it's an American bullstaff. Are they banned in Republic of Ireland? Again, Saoirse will know if she's listening. I don't think there are any actual banned dogs in Ireland. There is this list, this poster that you see in some parks. They are restricted breeds. I'm not sure, and again, Saoirse will know, somebody will know, I'm not sure if there's any breed of dog that is illegal to have in Ireland. I don't know. I don't think there is. How does that girl, Saoirse, know the dog won't go for someone in the garden if he gets out, if she's not there? he may feel he's protecting the house in her absence. If she, Well, I think from what I understand, she said she will place him on guard when she needs him on guard and take him off guard with a command 
he's switched on. And I have seen that. I have seen that. Uh, my dear old friend John Clifford, the original doggy man in Cork, um, still hale and hearty in retirement now, a dear friend of mine, himself and his wife, Teresa. John was the original doggy man. And John would tell you that. you can The most, the most highly trained guard dog, you switch them on and switch them off with a command. And he'd show, he could demonstrate it too. It was amazing to see. A little bit frightening, but amazing, because you knew you were safe with John. But I, I've seen him do it with a, with, a, with a police dog, a retired police dog that he was retraining. And you could switch that dog off and off, like, you know, literally watch, literally off, like, you, it was just like that. So you can do it. Christmas jumper. We have our Christmas jumper day coming up here next week, and I was trying the Christmas jumper and the bells have fallen off it so I'd have to get a new one but every year thousands of you help out with Cork Simon wearing your Christmas jumper to raise vital funds for homelessness in Cork you can do it any anytime do it at home at work at school online if we still do these online kind of things nobody wants any child to be homeless on Christmas day and you help to avoid that by hosting a Christmas Jumper Day. You get a fundraising pack from Cork Simon at corksimon.ie and then join with us at Cork's 96 FM as we help to fight homelessness in Cork. 0818 96 96 96. If Saoirse knows the answer to that question, we can certainly come back to it. But for now, um, we had um, Country Lovin' on yesterday, this television show that will be screening in 2023. It's a new television show and we've got Corkman in it. Uh, he's a pharmacist and a farmer called Rob. And I've seen his video and he is, as some people might say, he's easy on the eye. Mind you, the original country-loving farmer, Loving the Country it's called, Loving the Country is the show. Um, yeah. Mike, you should have done it, man. You should have gone in for it. You have the big one. Why not? I can't. Unfortunately, well, you're I'm. Uh, you're I, yes, I have a woman that actually that, that I'm out with a woman now, nearly three years now in February. Are you really? I know. You were always the farmer with the road front. Did you nothing to show for it? Well, come here, I'd more. I... <laughs> <laughs> Am I? First front the division, the man in the moon. That's that. So, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Go on. Hello. Yes, Mike. Can you hear me now? No, let, change him onto a phone line there. Wherever he is, that WhatsApp isn't the best. See if we can change him down to a phone line. Uh, Mike used to be on the show with us years ago talking about dating and talking about dating as a farmer and struggling, you know, the mix of the farming life and, and how busy it was and how very few people could adapt to that. And we used to always slag him about his road frontage, uh, and uh, and he had plenty of it. Mike, yes, I'm back to you again. Sorry about that. That's all right. Better line. Uh, so you yeah, got, got yourself a... started? Yes, I you know an old Drahada woman, an old Drahada woman, you know. Drahada. Uh, I know. I went to Hendry. <laughs> how did how did you did did, did you go to Drahada or she was around Cork? She was she she was living in Mallow, and it was over the power of Instagram. Really? Yeah. Tell me what happened. Well, basically, I I went through my Instagram one day and I saw someone like this, a picture of my little car. 
I have a little Austin Mini, and I'm doing doing up and yeah. I'm, one of the originals. One of the originals. Oh. One of the originals, and I I I, I take a for a spin from there. They're a gorgeous little car. They're a yeah. beautiful little car. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like a bear in a dog box. Um, but <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Your knees up in your face. <laughs> let's, let, let's just say I'm going to tell you plenty of stories about that small car, but oh, oh, let's just say I don't know need for a seat, but I can guarantee you that because <laughs> there's no, if, if the car's rolling, I'm rolling with it. Um, if you, there's a tin opener, you need to get out of it. <laughs> Take out the front seat, like, like high tower, like high tower, and please take out of it. Take out the front seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you, so this woman liked your car on Instagram. I I'm inquiring is what this beautiful looking woman uh, is she who is this beautiful woman and we just got talking and went on a date I, when I asked her oh, when I was agitating Flora during the text message I, when I was agitating I was biding a bit of time and I was talking away so I said do you want to go for coffee and we're together nearly three years now did she realise when you were inviting her out for coffee that you were stirring slurry at the time? No, 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 no. You don't, you don't have tea, you don't be telling people that kind of stuff, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best thing is she is no sense of smell, which is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because agit- agitating, I mean, agitating slurry is not a job for the faint-hearted. No, 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 no. And we're well used to farmers, like, so, yeah, that, that's what happened, Owen. She's worked together now three years. And, and do you still have that big bushy beard? I do indeed. It's getting it's it's actually a bit wild at the moment because I'm doing a certain job. And I say, John Paul, I have to tell you what I do. So I have to keep it nice and fluffy. Nice. <laughs> you can use your imagination down up here. My imagination could run riot. <laughs> uh, will you be doing? Will you be doing a Beyonce? Do you think? Will you put a ring in it? Oof. Man, no, if I had a euro for every time someone said that to me, I could be the only PJ McManus is mentioned there for the wedding night. You know? <laughs> I know, I know. In time, in, in time, she hasn't killed me yet, which is, look, that's a bonus. Yeah. That's a bonus, like. That's a, that, that's a bonus. <laughs> that's a bonus. That's a bonus. My God, yes. Yeah, between the, the oh, I have a notion, you know, I have this, I, I can, we've obviously met, people yeah. don't know that we have, and I've met you, <laughs> With the big bushy beard, and and as they say in the country, there's no shortage of Mike, and 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 the little the little Austin Mini, and, and where, like where does she go because she, was it, her face and me slapped up against the upside window like well, well, TJ, I said, you know, there was a buddy, there was a buddy of mine who was as big as me, and when we got in, when I put him into the car one night, I had to lock the door so if I went in, he wouldn't go out the other door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I always loved Austin Mini, so that's that's uh, Mini Cooper. So it was, it was going to happen. Oh, they're a gorgeous little thing. The modern ones, actually, they're a beautiful car. But the modern ones are not. I, I knew someone who drove one of the old, yeah. the old little ones. Like you, you practically you put it on. You didn't get into it. You put so, it on, and, and yes. you sat. You almost sat on the floor with your knees up around your ears. To try to I, you're roughly around four. I say four or five inches off the floor. Our worst nightmare is a speed bump. <laughs> <laughs> I could do permanent harm. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But you're on about you're on about the old dating scene. The television. Well, you, you're out of it, so you're out of it, so I'm I'm out of it, so. Uh, but how is it? I was talking to John Paul because I heard your your bit of a speed about it last, yesterday, mm. um, 
I know, I know, Rob. I know him very well through the farming scene. Oh, do you? And best, and best of luck to him. Oh, do you now? Yes, I do. But I always say, no, sound block, no, to be fair, it'd be a good catch. As you said, easy on the eye. We'll give him a smack of a, a shovel, he'll be fine. Um, <sighs> you, were on, you were on, you were on, yes, you were on blind date with Rob, of course. <clears throat> yes, and mm. good, good block, no, to be fair, good block. Um, it'll be in, it'll be very interesting what he gets up to. Yeah. So so has 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 herself moved in? Yes, herself has moved in a year and a half now. Into the, into my into the cottage into my little house in the farm. Oh, now, so and she's getting used to the old farm life. Uh, fairly fast and fairly quick. <laughs> no, on a more serious thing, Mike. I know we're a good laugh and all that, but but it is it is difficult, and we'll we'll probably talk to Robin in the fullness of time. If no doubt we will, but it is tough, and it was tough trying to find someone who could, I suppose, live with the the, the farming lifestyle. Well, to be to be honest, because I was I was single for the bones a good ten years, because I we know like no one could understand. Like I'm up, I'm up for five or six. I'm up between five and six every morning, and that's even Sunday. Like we'd be working seven days a week. Yeah. And there's no nine to five, and there's no going holidays. You know, there's no there's no planning holidays during the summer, during the winter. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, but like people don't understand that that we can we can if we can walk away from our job. Yeah. And there's no one else. There's there's no one else taking over the job. You, you you can't decide on a whim. Right, we're off to Tenerife for ten days. If I do that, it's it, it'll cost me more to employ someone to do the ten days than it is to enjoy Tenerife. Yeah, and that's the, that's the that's the full nature of it, like. Yeah, yeah, like it was. It used to be Makra, where yeah. you know, where people went. Is that still where people go, or where are they yeah, started? Well, yeah, no, Makra and the farm is still going strong. You know, look, the old COVID did a bit of a kickstart it, all right, but. Yeah, the the market is still going strong, and uh, like it's it is everywhere. It's all around. It's all around Ireland. And look, I've I've been a member of it, and I've made good friends from, from Donegal down to down to, down here down to here. Mm. And is it a thing that the people in Macra, although you're you're you you met your girlfriend differently, but the people in Macra, they are kind of of the same stock as it were of yourself, so they get it. They understand the, the difficulties. Well, before, before it was. Now there's non-farmers joining it because they're seeing the, the laugh, the crap, the bit of banter. Like is not mainly for all farmers, to be honest. It's open to everybody, to be fair. And it's just the, having a family background is, would be... Would, like there is, there is competitions that don't include farming in Macra, like dancing and going on the plays and comedy sketches and many a time I fall in love stages with doing it. <laughs> but um but the but the mocker is great. The mocker is great still and then look and even people in Cork there is a Cork City mocker I think. Um there is other like, there is UC I think there's UCC one as well. So there it is open to it is open to City people. Yeah. And like look you don't like it's not the smell of kosher for the mocker. Look, look, fair enough, I smell the kosher, but like it's just um <laughs> the mocker is not is not solely based for farmers anymore. It used to, but not yeah. anymore. It's open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just rally. a young people's organization now, really, nationally. Yeah, and basically there is a rally every year which all the mockers would would compile to one place, which is great. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I I'd fully recommend Mocker to be fearless. Yeah. Does 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 herself have any connection to farming at all? No, not seen one bit. Let's just say she learned when a cow goes into labour, she sounds like a boat horn. She learned that fairly fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the thing about having livestock and cattle that can go into labour, yeah. like you could be there having a date night. And you, the the sound comes from the lower barn, and you're gone, and she's there with half a dinner. Oh no, you know, we're, 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 we're going very high technically. We've got a camera now, so we let the camera and and t- lean up against the tomato sauce while we're talking to each other. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Uh, no, but no. Look, look. It's and she she works from home. I think does she? She works. She she, she, she does. She works from home, uh, which 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 is. Look, I always say everything with all the diesel prices and everything, it's, it's, it's a godsend. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's very handy. It's very handy to, to, to build the law, to build the law, to have really expensive the law and stuff. So it, it, it is great, like. Yeah. Um, Could, like, it would not be easy for a farmer to maintain a relationship on the other end of the country. Yes. You know, it all depends. It all depends. If you remember, the milk cows a lot in the morning. Um, <laughs> but no, it's yeah, it would be tough, like. But it's some people do realise if you want, if you're going meeting a farmer or dating a farmer, the, the farmer is not going to be far from his house. Farm, farm, not far, he's not going to live far from his farm. Yeah. That yeah. and that is that. Look, that is the t- that that is the thing. I'm not going to be moving five miles away from my farm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the joy of the look. That's the joy of the farming. Joy of the But look, there is, look, there is farmers are meeting, 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 women like and stuff, and or, or female farmers are out. Are you know, it is it is an open thing, like you know, it's it's, it's very good. Mm. Uh, it's very, it's it's open now compared to before. Where they look, we've got technology, we can talk to each other on the phone. Yes. Sometimes it's probably easier. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So we, as I said, we'll hope to talk to Robert in in the fullness of time. You've you've worked. Tell me a bit about him, though. Tell tell listeners a bit about him because they're the ones that are going to have to. Well, I well basically, I, well, I know him long enough now. He he's always up for a laugh, and that's he tell he he's he doesn't make it, he he likes. I would say, look, I make people laugh. He makes people laugh. He likes he like he loves. He loves entertaining. That's that's him where he hands out but he's he he's as honest he's honest as you come. Me <laughs> I'm as crooked as a roundabout. Ah well <laughs> Come here. Did I hear that you uh-huh. have joined the read the legions of Santa Claus's helpers? I have indeed. I have indeed. I I've I've joined the legion and I am very, very busy with it. Mm-hmm. Um in, in when when I get quite in the yard. Right. And I'm helping out I'm helping out as much as I can and how we say it's just looking Christmas is for the kids. Yeah. And Santa could call you to go to Mayo or somewhere like that or go to a hotel <laughs> and it is busy like yes, I've been drafted many places around Ireland. So so between between having to go out to the cattle Yeah. And and maybe having to take a spin to the North Pole at short notice. Yes. She's a patient woman, Mike. Well, that's what I, that's what an A4 page with your picture on it, and put it on the on the, on the bathroom window. It, she can look out the window, and look at me, and there uh, somewhere. 
<laughs> She's a patient woman. Listen, it's good. You're a good crack. Good to catch up with you again. That's oh, that. Merry, Merry Christmas to all you. And to you, fella. And, and, and right. to you. And to you. That's that's um, Mike, the farmer. He used to be on the opinion nine years ago. He couldn't get a date. He's all sorted. He could. He couldn't buy a date years ago. He's all sorted now. She moved in and everything. Well, I'm delighted for him. He's gas crack, but he knows Rob well. We'll talk to Rob in the new year for loving the country. Thanks, Mike. Margaret, you've been busy. Now, I thought I'd get the first of my Christmas trees up this weekend. You have one up since last weekend at Millbank in Fairhill. Morning. I have indeed. <laughs> I have indeed. All two of them, actually, PJ. Thanks. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. What song or what word is missing? Uh, <laughs> day. Day, yeah. Yeah, no, I know. It's so silly, isn't it? Like, I mean... I I collected this small bit of school. I was trying to think. I was trying to think what it was. again. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so simple to go out of your head. You got our two hundred euro foot solutions oh, voucher so much, from Excellent. the from the grand parade. You're our winner for today. All right. Thanks, Thank you so thanks, much. Thanks, Margaret. Cheers. We'll have that out to you. Quick smart. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Very quickly, I mustn't forget this. Um, Ryan and Jimmy from Picture This are. I'm told here, co-presenting the hit mix tonight from 8. They'll be talking about their road trip across Europe, their love for Cork, and their new song, Get On My Love, and some more stuff to come. Now, Shane was talking to the lads in preparation for the show, and he asked them about their their love for Cork because they are very fond of the place we played um, Cork Opera House um, still one of our favourite gigs to this day the marquee shows are still some of our favourite gigs to, to this day and Musgrave Park was our first big show back um, after the pandemic so we've got a real love affair with Cork and we love the energy of the city and we love the people so as long as um, the people of Cork will have us we'll always be back there, the lads from Picture This co-presenting the hit mix tonight with Shane Books on Cork's 96 FM. And that's about it. It's been a bit manic. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. Christmas! Christmas! With your local maze, making your Christmas extra special with festive offers. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. 
Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. So you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.